What's Going On in the Big East, from records breaking by Maddie Seagrass to UConn losing two games in a row, and What's Up with Georgetown? T. Baker, Big East writer at The Next, joins host Natalie Heverin to discuss all things Big East. Ogumba Wallet for the win! You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello and happy Friday. Uh, we made it to the end of the week. You are locked on to women's basketball. I'm Natalie Hebron and I'm a features writer and the Atlantic 10 beat reporter for the next. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Today, we'll be chatting all things Big East from Maddie Seacrest to what's up with UConn and what to watch for in the upcoming matchup between Villanova and UConn on Saturday, and also a little bit about Georgetown. So joining me today is T. Baker, Big East reporter and WBL writer, the next. Uh, Starting off, T., it's been six weeks since you last joined me on the podcast, and oh boy, a lot has happened since then. Uh, On January 6th, you told me that Maddie Segrist was not only your favorite player to watch in the conference so far this season, but that she was on track to become Villanova's all-time leading scorer. Tell me what she's done since then. Thanks, Natalie. Good to be here today. Always love jumping on the pod with you, talking Big East hoops. Um, So Maddie Segrist has really um, exceeded our expectations from last time, I would say. So not only has she broken the Villanova basketball men's or women's scoring record, but she's also broken the Big East women's basketball scoring record. Um, And she did it in typical Maddie Segrist fashion, scoring uh, 50 points and breaking the Villanova single game scoring record at the same time. So she did that against Seton Hall um, just last week. And um, she's really just continuing to elevate her game somehow. When we talked six weeks ago, I talked about how over the summer she had elevated her game three on three play, but she's found ways to just continue to get better. And, you know, I think she's definitely firmly in in my national player of the year conversation and also her uh, WNBA draft stock is rising. I saw her on a recent um, WNBA draft board up, up as high as four as, as a pick. So she's got the talent at the, to take it to the next level and to um, really bring Vill- Villanova um, a pretty significant run this season. And what does that mean to have, um, you know, at a program that's not UConn, a player um, with such high WNBA draft stock? And what does that mean for the Big East as a whole? It's huge. I mean, I've been reading a lot of chatter on Twitter about how, you know, Maddie Segrist, if she had gotten more of the national coverage, that maybe Caitlin Clark, um, Aaliyah Boston, others who are in the national player uh, of the year contention got, she'd be in that conversation more firmly. I think the Big East, um, some of the more um, under the radar schools like Villanova don't always get the media attention they deserve. And and really Maddie Segrist having that level of talent at the Big East. I talked about this with you last time, talent begets talent. So the more talented players you have in this conference, the more players that are gonna show up and not just go to UConn, but go to Villanova, go to Creighton, go to DePaul and really make this as as well-rounded as a conference as it's been in, in decades. Yeah, and I know we talked 
offline um, about a recent article from Russell Steinberg, uh, friend of the next, um, about why Maddie Segrist gets lost in the player of the year shuffle. And um, Russ wrote about that part of it uh, is because some Big East games are uh, available on Flow Hoops uh, or not available as uh, broadly nationally um, on Fox Sports as some of the other major conferences you talked about. Yeah, and I think it's also the way she plays her game is understated. You know, she can just kill you slowly, kind of. You know, she she can rack up points in a hurry. Um, she doesn't have the maybe logo three, you know, um, flashy game that Caitlin Clark has or the, the ability to just dominate in the post that Aaliyah has that, that make them both really um, visible stars, but she can quietly assassinate um, opponents and she does it every night. And I think that puts her in the, the category of player of the year. I mean, she's the leading scorer in the country. So that in and of itself is a stat that puts her above the rest. And how does having her on the team make Villanova a difficult team to play? It makes them so difficult because you have to focus your defensive intensity on Maddie Segrist and, you know, she's not the only player on the court. So, you know, she can really rack up points in a hurry. She can find her shot on any point in the court. She's a tall wing, so she can pull down rebounds. She is all over the court and she takes the attention from an opposing defense in a way that um, makes it really difficult to play five on five basketball against also other talented players on Villanova. And she's not the only one on the team that can produce. Um, the next, Kobe Mosley, reali- uh, recently wrote about Lucy Olson and Christina Dolce. Um, tell me about how they've been making an impact um, this season. Yeah, well, first, you know, both Christina and Lucy are sophomores. So this is a really promising sign for Villanova, as we know Maddie's on her way out to the WNBA. But having two talented stars in the wings is really um, good for Denise Dillon and the Wildcats, because this is going to be a program that's going to continue to get better, um, continue to put good players out on the floor. And I think as it as it goes for Lucy, you know, she's a great scorer. She's the one who can kind of complement Maddie most in the scoring column. But she's also a really solid guard. She doesn't produce a lot of turnovers. She can find her teammates. She's uh, got, you know, an ability to find teammates in the in the open court. And um, for Christina, I mean, she's been huge for the Wildcats on the defensive end. They need that defensive intensity as well. And, and you know, Segrist recently called out her teammates saying she's unbelievably, um, she's unbelievable on defensive end, grown up so much between freshman and sophomore year. So again, those two players, it speaks to the well-roundedness of the Wildcats, not just this season, but moving forward as having two really talented sophomores in the mix. And, you know, how has their performance this season made Villanova a more competitive team in the Big East? Um, you know, it's not just Maddie, it's uh, a whole team that's making it competitive. Yeah, I mean, I think since last season, that well-roundedness has um, become more evident. Like, you know, seeing players like Lucy Olson, she was talented last year. You could, you know, remember when you saw her on the court, but this season she's able to make more of a presence on the court. And that just makes them a better, more threatening team. I think that... Um, you know, right now they sit just behind UConn and they have a matchup on Saturday that we're going to talk a little bit about. So um, they have a chance to, you know, tie for the Big East title this season or take it depending on things shake out the rest of the season. And right now, 
they are right in the spot in the uh, AP top 25 poll, their highest ranking of the season. So they're peaking at the right moment and they have all the pieces together to make a big run in the big East tournament and also in the NCAA tournament. So in your mind, um, We've talked about where Villanova stands in the Big East right now. What do they have to do uh, to continue to prove to non-Big East fans or, or non-Big East loyals um, that they're not just UConn's uh, little sister, um, that they are a, a top team, uh, not only in the Big East, but in the country? You know, I think they need to to continue to win big games you know last season they were the first team to um defeat uconn um in a conference game in about 10 years so um being at that game you saw the sort of joy in in their players and their coaches beating uconn is still a big deal um and so doing that and doing that consistently i think will kind of begin to shape a rivalry in the big east that allows them to be seen as not just you know the team that can almost beat uconn or beat them every once in a while but that consistently has the talent and the consistency and the work ethic to beat a team like uconn and i think they're on their way there like i said maddie segris has been this catalyst for them and really into a national conversation but they got talent um denise dillon is a great recruiter and, and i have no doubt that they'll continue to continue on an upward trajectory well, we love rivalries uh, over here at The Next. Uh, love watching rivalry games. So coming up next, we'll discuss Villanova's upcoming game against UConn and what's been going on with the Huskies this season. Today's episode is brought to you by Nissan. Nissan's Most Electric Player of the Week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. This week's Player of the Week should come to no surprise. Uh, Maddie Segrist, last Saturday, she had... Um, 50 points, and on Wednesday night, the Poughkeepsie native had 39 at St. John's, two incredibly electric performances, and much like the Nissan Aria, Seacrest is fierce, is brilliantly fierce, and she leads the country in scoring this season, averaging more than 29 points per game. Seacrest, like the Aria, delivers on duality, and the vehicle is the perfect combination of fierceness and elegance, beautiful but strong, the perfect SUV crossover. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin-to-ear seat power and premium intelligence all-in-one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria is the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. So before we talk about UConn and Villanova's matchup on Saturday, uh, February 18th, we have to talk a little bit about UConn. So last week, they lost two consecutive games for the first time since March of 1993. And to talk about how long that's been, that's about 18 months before my parents met and a little over five years before I was born. Uh, so not something that obviously has happened in a really long time. Um, the Huskies lost to South Carolina on February 5th and then Marquette on February 8th and struggled early against Georgetown on February 11th. So T, what's been going on with UConn? Yeah, and you know, I think after that back-to-back -back loss situation, it, it felt like the state of Connecticut was going to declare a state of emergency or something like that. It's, it's not something that happens a lot. Um, and you know, I was uh, one years old when they last lost. Um, I think that um, when they last lost, sorry, consecutive games, and you know, it's it's a ridiculous record. Like that's a ridiculous thing to have as a standard. Um, so I I look back at those records and just 
have to be grateful and, and admire the greatness that is UConn women's basketball. It's a brand, it is a dynasty, and it is, um, you know, the model for uh, women's basketball around the country. You know, it's the standard upon which others have created their program. So to have a record like that, you know, it's it's one of those things that's only a problem for UConn fans to be upset about something like that. And um, I just have to look back at all the great players that have been part of that um, incredible run. And, you know, it's it's a testament to the fact that they're playing, you know, pretty shorthanded this season. They are largely fielding a, you know, six to seven person rotation in games and they don't have backup. It's not that Gino's not playing the bench, it's that there is no bench to be played. Um, so they're having to really dig down deep and you could see the exhaustion um, after that close South Carolina game, they played so tightly in the following game against Marquette and Marquette is no, you know, easy team to play. Um, I wrote up an article on the, on the next, uh, just last week about how you can't sleep on this Marquette program. They have a great coach. Um, they've got really great senior leadership and, and they play, um, a style of basketball that is, you know, aggressive, that is, um, able to knock down shots in a hurry. And, and, you know, I'm not surprised that, that you come fumbled again, a team like Marquette on the road. So, um, I would say that, you know, the shorthanded nature of the Huskies right now is really becoming evident in this stretch of the season. And, and that's um, contributed to those back-to-back -back losses and how they've had a lot of close games recently. And what, if anything, has changed for the Huskies in the last six days? Um, you know, Caroline Ducharme is coming back. Uh, is Are things looking up for the Huskies? I think they are. Um, you know, Caroline Ducharme is a really important presence for the Huskies because she allows them to space out the floor. I was at that um, the Creighton game on Wednesday when UConn pulled out a two point victory against um, the Blue Jays. And uh, it was really impressive to see Caroline Ducharme score all of her 10 points in the fourth quarter, including the game winning free throws. Um, and she is just a scrappy player. Gino talked about how there's no player who wants to play more than Caroline and that, you know, she has the ability to offer um, another point position, another guard position for the Huskies that allows defenses to have to react to both, you know, guards like, you know, Lou Lopez Seneschal, who's a great shooter and Caroline Ducharme on the perimeter while also navigating two bigs in Dorka Juhas and Aliyah Boston in the paint. So um, traditionally, UConn this season has been pretty shorthanded at the guard position, and having someone like Caroline Ducharme allows them to space the floor, allows them to take more threes per game, and, and that's um, something they've really needed desperately in this past stretch of the season. Yeah, uh, Chino talked about after the Georgetown game that they really only have one, one-and-a-half ball handlers. Um, so... Definitely good for UConn to have another guard back in the mix. What weaknesses have they shown in the last two weeks? I think that for them, their weaknesses are on the offensive end. Defense, you know, tends to still be a strength for the Huskies. They can just really um, hold a team accountable and, and really just shut them down, honestly, on the defensive end. That's always kind of been the, the brand for, for the Huskies. I think on the offensive end, um, Sometimes they just get really stagnant, you know, in the third quarter of the game against Creighton, they went five minutes at the beginning of the third quarter without scoring a point. And, and finally, Dork Juhas hit a three um, that allowed all the Husky fans to sit down because they stand clapping until that first point. But 
you know, they need to not be standing around on offense. They need to create offense. And I think if anything is their weakness, it's going to be on the offensive end. They need to be able to put up points. They need to be able to put up points from different places on the floor and they need to be able to do it consistently. And I think that's been the biggest weakness this season. And I think some of it's just not having a deep enough rotation to have different types of shooters and different types of rotations on the floor. And I think that's going to be their biggest challenge in the postseason. So obviously they can't just magically uh, fix their the health of a lot of their players, but what is left for the Huskies to do to help adapt or change uh, going into the Big East and NCAA tournaments coming up? Yeah, I think it's it's finding comfort with rotations. Um, you know, Caroline Ducharme was able to be the hero the other night, but, you know, working her into the rotation and figuring out the minutes that she's going to be able to play, how to get rest for other guards, how to work players like Ayanna Patterson and Amari DeBerry into the lineup to give the bigs some rest. I think um, Gino and the Huskies have always ran a pretty tight rotation, a pretty... Um, small number of people playing the game. And I think finding ways to build in others into the rotation, especially in the postseason, the grind that is playing, you know, two games in three days and against the toughest competition in the country. I think they're going to have to figure out how to get those rotations a little tighter, how to um, practice having Caroline back on the floor. And, and let's see, maybe AZ Fudd is going to come back and also how to work her into the rotation. And Next up for the Huskies is traveling to Villanova for Saturday's game. What are you looking for in the matchup? I'm looking for just a really good game. Um, these are the two best teams in the Big East. They have talent. Um, it's an opportunity for Maddie Segrist to shine on a national stage. And um, I'm looking for... Um, a team in UConn that is um, continuing to, to work out its rotation and that's going to have to work on um, shutting down Maddie Segrist. Um, I don't think any team has done that well. Um, and I'm just looking for a game between the two powerhouses of the Big East that's really going to decide um, who's going to be the, the number one team in the Big East this season and who's going to go into the tournament with that momentum. And for you, what are the keys to the game for UConn uh, to pull out a win? I think um, when Gino, after the um, Creighton game, UConn head coach Gino Ariama did joke that um, keeping Maddie Segrist under 40 points or 45 points would be the key to the game. And I think, um, you know, that's important to note that, you know, a big part of their game is scouting Maddie Segrist and shutting her down on the defensive end. I think they're also going to have to hit threes, um, you know, Villanova is a team that has some perimeter shooters and, and with um, UConn short rotation and lack of depth, they can't just grind out every single possession in the post and expect to beat a team like Villanova. So they have to find ways to uh, take threes, find themselves open on the court, take threes and also make those threes. And I think those will be the keys to the game against Villanova. And then on the other side, what are the keys for Villanova and how can they exploit the weaknesses that UConn has showed um, this month? I think some of the keys for them are leaning into home court advantage. It's it's important, you know, that this game to note that this game is on Villanova's court. Um, you know, they're doing a whiteout game. They're trying to get people out there to that arena to, to really show up for the Wildcats. Um, I think it's also about, um, you know, finding ways to get um, the Huskies in foul trouble, you know, driving the ball in the post. Maddie Segrist has an ability to, find her shot in the post, but also on the perimeter. And if she's driving to the basket, um, UConn's going to have to either defend her, foul her, or let her make a shot. So um, I think that 
ultimately finding ways to shut her down and um, sorry, ultimately Villanova is going to have to find a way to get the Huskies in foul trouble and, and just play their brand of basketball, which is, um, you know, a motion offense that, that uh, gets some good inside outside action. And, and I think ultimately it's going to be a really tightly, um, tightly tied match. Um, it's going to be close and it's going to be a, a good battle. I am so excited uh, to watch it. Um, might have to have it on a second screen. I'll be at a different game, uh, but definitely excited to keep an eye on it. Coming up next, we'll talk about Georgetown, uh, what they showed against UConn, and what to expect in the future. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat that is still loaded with protein? Then you have to try Built Bar. We at Locked On Women's Basketball love Built Bar, especially because they are both healthy and tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. But what makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. Who doesn't love chocolate? And they also come in unbelievable both flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. Not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better is they have 4 grams of sugar and 17 grams of protein. And now, you don't need to wait around to get a box. Not only can you buy them at built.com, you can have them shipped to you, and you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. So... I made my way to DC last weekend for UConn versus Georgetown. Uh, and before the game had ended, I messaged you about one player for the Hoyas, Kennedy Fontenoy. Starting off, how has she impressed you so far this season? Yeah, well, first, love that you got to catch some Big East basketball in person. Um, so glad to hear that we had next representation at that game. Um, you know, she is a player who is, I think, living up to her billing as a as a top recruit. She was ranked number 74 overall by uh, ESPN Hoop Girls coming in, uh, number 17 at her position. She was a two-year captain and a starter at her uh, at the New Hope Academy in Maryland, and she was also the Maryland Player of the Year last season. So I don't think it's surprising that she's coming and made some noise in the Big East. Um, she's someone who has a versatile game, and it's only going to grow, I think. Um, it's it's a really promising sign for the Hoyas that they have a player in Kennedy who's able to um, come in as a freshman and make a splash who's only going to develop in her next few years with the school. Yeah, I couldn't believe she was a freshman. Um, I like was watching her. She, uh, I think she led both teams in scoring by the end of the first quarter. And I, I looked down and was like, freshman? Um, so she definitely impressed me. What do you expect to see from her in the future, in the next few years uh, at Georgetown? You know, I expect her to continue to grow her game. I think uh, Georgetown's coach, um, Howard, is is really um, good at developing players. Uh, he has a resume of, of making this Georgetown team, you know, better in his tenure. So I see someone who's going to continue to um, elevate her game. And I think players coming up now through high school just have such a versatile skill set. We're seeing so much more depth and talent in players coming out of high school. So I think a lot of ways her game is also going to develop in ways we haven't seen before on the women's side. How is she going to um, be able to 
produce her own offense? What's her defensive intensity going to be like getting um, getting more comfortable at the college level? So I just continue to see a player who's going to, you know, maybe make a all biggies first team um, in her in her tenure and um, make a run to be a, t- a player on a Georgetown team that I think is on the rise that um, in her next few seasons, you know, again, talent begets talent, more good players at a program, bring in more good players. So I think she's also going to be an anchor for them to get other or highly touted recruits that um, really make Georgetown a contender for years to come. And what have you seen from Georgetown this season? And what do you see James Howard building? Yeah, you know, I think they've stumbled a little bit. They're five and twelve in the Big East this season, but I don't think that um, that speaks to the quality of play on the court. You know, they they lost to UConn by just under ten points. They um, have a team that um, I think has potential to surprise some folks come uh, Big East tournament weekend. And um, in terms of what James Howard's building, you know, he is a coach. He started uh, coaching Georgetown in 2017. He's brought the team to the WNIT um, in consecutive seasons in in the past. And I think he wants to play at that level. He wants a team that can get to the postseason and do well. So um, I think he's he's building a team that can work its way up from sort of the bottom tier of the Big East and, and become a contender in the conference play, but also um, become a contender nationally. You know, while they are 5-12 and 12 this season, they're just under 500 overall. So they've had pretty good season. They've um, been able to take the good with the bad. And I think that um, Coach James Howard is, is the type of coach, you know, that players want to play for and that can elevate this Georgetown program. So thank you for joining me today, T. Where can the people find you and your awesome coverage of the Big East? Yeah, thanks for having me. Always good to chat. Um, folks can find me at, at MXTBaker. That's T-E-E Baker. Um, and that's where you can find me on Twitter. And, and I will be writing um, some stories coming up about the Big East. We got the Big East tournament coming up that first weekend in March. So expect a lot from me then um, while these teams get together at Mohegan Sun Arena to compete for the title. I am so excited to see what you have up your sleeve uh, and we'll be writing next. Thank you to our listeners for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen today. Make sure to tune back in tomorrow to hear more from Hunter and M, who always teach me so much. Now, make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Lockdown NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.